1: Hello and welcome to Orange County's longest running business talk show. I am your host, Rick Franzi, and we're going to have an interesting conversation today with Catherine Hamill. She is the CEO of Heck Institute, Heck Trauma Institute. I said it several times. I'll get it right. Heck Trauma Institute. That's my fault, but she's going to be a great guest for us. And so, Catherine, I'm so happy that you're here on the program. Welcome.
0: Thank you so much. And thank you for the audience for tuning in. I'm looking forward to our conversation.
1: So let's start with you and your motivation to join Heck Trauma Institute. What was your motivation?
0: So I spent a career working in law enforcement and then transitioned to higher education. And for nearly 25 years, I worked um, with victims of trauma and I saw the greater impact that that had on their personal lives and on their professional lives. So when I had the opportunity to lead the Hex Trauma Institute, it was a natural transition for me to work with traumatized individuals in a different way.
1: So you've been in the role year plus. I'm wondering, what have you learned from being in your position with the Institute?
0: So I've worked around the nonprofit sector for about 30 plus years, but heading the Hex Trauma Institute for the last year, one of the things that has really resonated with me and what I've learned is that we are all impacted by trauma. And there are some literature pieces out there that talk about big T trauma and small T trauma. And so for purposes of this conversation, I'm just gonna say big trauma or small trauma. And trauma changes the way in which we view the world. So it really changes the lens by which we view not only our professional relationships, but our behaviors and the manner in which we interact with others. And how that bleeds over into the work environment, You know, really for business leaders and business executives it's incumbent upon us to understand how trauma impacts not only our clients, but our customers, our employees, our contractors, and our staff. And what are we doing to ensure that we are providing trauma-informed spaces and safe places for all of the folks that we interact with daily?
1: So I'm going to back up just a little bit and ask you, in layperson's terms, can you define what you mean by the term trauma?
0: Of course. So, at the Hex Trauma Institute, we define trauma as a deeply disturbing or distressing experience. Simply stated, layperson's terms, anything that could be potentially distressing on its face, or something that is distressing over the long term, and then anything disturbing. Uh, you know, prior to the show, we were having a conversation about the state of the community and the state of the world, and. All you need to do is turn on the news to see all of the deeply disturbing events that are occurring across our nation. And those, those impact people in, in really deep ways. And it impacts the way that they look at the rest of the world. And it bleeds into how they interact with their family members, with their friends, with their significant others, and those that they work with.
1: It's, it's from, this is one person's perspective. Help me with your perspective because you're much more informed than I in this area. But it feels like if we can equate trauma to an injury, that many times, if it were a physical injury, there's a clear path to through the medical profession to get help if you break an arm or whatever that physical trauma might be. But when it comes to the mental trauma, the psychological trauma, there doesn't seem to me to be the same level of. Appreciation awareness agreement on what the right path for corrective action would be. Do you agree with that? Mental health is a different, ill, defined health system in our country. I do
0: agree. I do agree with that. And one of it's interesting you say that because June is actually PTSD awareness month. Oh. And one of the things that we have tried to uh, flip the script on here at the Hex Trauma Institute is moving away from the term PTSD, moving into what we call PTSI. So if you look at the Diagnostic Statistical Manual, you'll see PTSD is a disorder. And a disorder on its face is very stigmatizing. And it really deeply impacts people when they say, I have a disorder. So much like you mentioned, if I were to break my leg and I were to go to a medical doctor and I were to receive some sort of healing modality, whether that's physical therapy, whether that's a cast, whether it's a boot, whether it's a crutch, No one would bat an eye if I needed to take time off to attend to a doctor's appointment for a physical injury. No one bats an eye. Mm -mm. But in our organizations, what we do to attend to the mental health and the behavioral health aspects of of our teams is critical. So offering things like employee assistance programs, offering open safe spaces to have conversations about trauma and how that impacts you. You know, many of the business leaders and executives here in in, in the county have one-on-ones with their staff, you know, each and every day or each, and every, each week. What are we doing to introduce those personal conversations and help people feel supported and help them feel safe to share how they're feeling and how the events of the world are impacting them? So that's what I call a trauma-informed organization. Mm-hmm. So yes, I do agree that mental health is very ill-defined as it stands.
1: Because it's really, you know, the burden on leadership, it, it, I think sometimes it's fatiguing to leaders to recognize how many burdens they have. But the truth be told that it's it's not, um, we're not a well-informed and understanding culture here, at least that I'm aware of in business for people who have a, a, an emotional or Psychological need that needs to be uh, treated versus people who have a, as to your point, a physical condition. And and so, what would you, how would you help leaders to understand how they can set a culture that allows people to feel comfortable without them as a leader feeling overburdened by the problems that employees bring to the workforce?
0: So, great question. Um, I alluded earlier to a trauma-informed approach. And one of the things that we subscribe to with the Hex Trauma Institute is a trauma-informed organization. So that's a commitment from leadership down to be guided by four assumptions. And these assumptions are known as what we call the four R's. And the four R's are realizing that trauma occurs and how that impacts people, recognizing the signs of trauma, having a system to respond to trauma, and then resisting re-traumatization. Now, boiling that down to how that impacts business, we work with humans. Humans are impacted. And as leaders, if we have a employee base that is traumatized or they are struggling or they are having a bad day, how does that impact their work? And how does that impact the performance of the organization? So, really taking the time to, again, understand, is my staff or is my employee having a bad day due to some small trauma or due to some big trauma? And what can I do as the leader of the organization, again, to create a safe space or to reach out and lend a hand and say, I see that you're struggling today. How can I help you? Mm -hmm. Because ultimately, a happier, more engaged, more committed staff are going to make your business more profitable, more successful, and more high-performing
1: so let me follow up on that because what 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 i heard you say is a a thought that i hadn't considered before um could people outside of the individual realize before the individual that they may be suffering from a trauma-related incident
0: absolutely okay and you see that in discipline issues within the workplace You know, if someone continues showing up to work late, are they getting uh, into additional conflict with those in and around the workplace? Are you getting customer complaints regarding someone from your staff? Um, These these third parties can, in most cases, more readily identify the issue before the employee does. So, again, it's incumbent on leadership to make sure and do that, that check-in every day with everyone to ensure, hey, how are you today? Where are you sitting today? How can I help you? How can I support you?
1: Because I, I would imagine, and I hope you don't mind and in indulging me a little bit in this, but it would seem to me that all of a sudden, we really do need to train the executives mm-hmm. and train the organization to have conversations that are acceptable to HR
0: mm-hmm.
1: and legally, But also truly intended to be empathetic and helpful for the employee. Is that accurate?
0: Absolutely. And and nothing about a trauma informed approach is meant to undermine California law or the principles of a human resources department or organization. So they really should be working in partnership and collectively together to make the organization a better place to be. So when I talk about trauma informed leadership and trauma informed organizations, um, there are a couple of principles that 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 really resonates with the trauma-informed approach. So as a leader, I'm committing to operating under the auspice of safety, transparency, peer support, collaboration, empowerment, and voice. Hmm. So all of that just to say trustworthy, how trustworthy are you as an organization? How does your mission, vision, and value statement espouse with your action? And are you transparent with your staff to the extent that you can be? You know, obviously, um, there are certain things as as executives and leaders that that we don't share with our staff for a variety of reasons. Um, But to transparency to the level that you are able to do so is is crucial for having a trauma-informed organization. You know, peer support. Are Are your subordinates able to support each other? Are they getting along? Do you need to interject some sort of mediation or some sort of conflict resolution into a particular situation. If so, bring aboard the appropriate training in collaboration with HR to make sure that there is, you know, lowered amounts of conflict within the workplace and collaboration. Are we collaborating with not only our staff, but our clients, with our vendors, with others who have an impact on our businesses? Um, and are we empowering them with the autonomy to make decisions that need to be made? And are they having a voice in the organization? Um, are, are we you know, democratic or are we autocratic? And it really depends on the culture of the organization, but it's, it's really together these fundamental principles create a work environment that really respects everyone's experience, but then also allows us as leaders to reduce incidents of re-traumatization if we are doing something that is traumatizing those that we work with and for.
1: So let's talk. Thank you. Let's talk a little bit about the Institute and exactly the role that you and the and your Institute play in helping trauma informed executives and leadership.
0: Absolutely. So the Hex Trauma Institute is a California nonprofit. And we provide education, information, and services to import and empower persons affected by trauma. So we do this a couple of different ways. Uh, We offer courses, we offer content, we offer consulting services, and we are an APA certified provider of continuing education. Um, We have a robust course catalog that um, shares information and content that speaks to professionals and paraprofessionals in the behavioral health field, and the mental health field, but also for the person and also for the business executive who's looking to um, support um, his or her staff and help them be a more high-performing team. Um, we have a variety of self-help tools. We have a variety of recommended readings, and we have some different workbooks to work through exercises that really restore overall health and wellness for the individual.
1: So let's... Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to relate what you do to a couple other questions. If, if I could with you today here, and, um, you mentioned trust. And I think that is the social lubricant of any relationship. Mm -hmm. It's, it's the foundation of trust. Mm -hmm. It seems to me that over the past two plus years, whether it be COVID restrictions or media coverage or whatever it is, the people's fuses are shorter. (laughs) Their Mm -hmm. patients are worn and they might be feeling a little more fearful than they were three years ago.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. So are you seeing, is your institute observing any of these trends in the workforce that trauma-informed leadership can get ahead of? Because how do you get ahead? Okay, now that's a long-winded way to get to the question. How do you get ahead of these trends within the workforce that you're responsible for?
0: So good question. And, you know, right now we're really playing catch up, but the the most requested course that we have right now was building workplace resilience. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that relates to resiliency in the COVID-19 era. You know, how do we come back to our offices after being away? And how do we continue to physically distance while staying socially interacted. And those two things don't comport, right? So physical distance and social distancing are two very different things. But really what we've seen is, is a complete disconnect from social norms over the last two and a half years. We have forgotten how to interact with people. And we need people to, to be supportive of each other in order for us to be more resilient. So one of the, the protective factors in resiliency is, is support and social support. So one of the things that we talk about in building workplace resilience is, you know, how do we come back into the office? How, how do we start to re-engage? And how do we find what is a new normal? So a lot of the tips and tricks and tools that we talk about, um, we, we do them for the purposes of really building the individual's resilience and wellness so that they can collectively be more resilient as a workforce and again, that impacts the company and the company's bottom line by being more of of a high-performing team, which is good for everyone.
1: It feels to me that there is a, I don't want to say fine line, because that puts the wrong position on it, but there there is a middle ground that trauma-informed leadership can travel that allows for for the recognition of the potential for trauma within their workforce without opening the door to a a, a class of employees that would want to take advantage of such a perspective, and so in your training and in your working with organizations, ha- have you found a way to help the leaders understand how they can walk that path?
0: We do. So again, going back to this trauma informed organizational assessment, it is a robust and comprehensive um, milestone of of a. Roadmap, really, that speaks to individuals coming together as leaders, how they can support, but how they can also remain compliant um, with their company policies and procedures, California law and with the wishes of of their HR departments. And so, um, you know, some of these things, again, are just as simple as, you know, starting to have the conversation with your employee, you know, doesn't mean that you get into um, issues that are perhaps violating you know, HIPAA, um, that are you, you know, violating some ADA standard because you're asking the wrong question at the wrong time. So we really uh, refine the questions that we ask based on the Mm -hmm. milestones after doing a discovery session with the leader to talk about, you know, how does your culture work? How does your organization run? What is it that, that, that you espouse? What is your mission, vision and value statement? And how do you live that every day? so really it's it's a um gosh what do i say it's it's a you mentioned fine line and i'm going to use fine line again because it's okay. just what, what comes right. to mind um right. it really is a fine line and it really is dependent and each organization is going to have a different finalized organizational assessment because again they each run differently they're both led differently their leaders have different philosophies. Um, None are wrong. They are just different. And so we take all of that into account when we're conducting these trauma-informed organizational assessments.
1: I think that's powerful to start with where you are Mm -hmm. in conjunction with who you are and where you want to be. Because I think through data and information, leaders can make an informed then decision on what's the right course of action given their culture. And I'm So glad to hear you have this powerful assessment that can be the entryway into a successful walking of that line to get the outcome. So thank you for sharing that.
0: Of course, my pleasure.
1: So let's talk about you as an author. You're the author of the book, Body, Mind, and Badge, Navigating Trauma and Resilience in Law Enforcement. Could you tell us about the book and maybe the big ideas contained within it?
0: Of course. So uh, Body, Mind, and Badge was released in conjunction with Police Week just a couple of weeks ago. And the purpose behind the book was my personal experience in responding to critical incidents and enduring what I would call career-altering traumas. And I worked for two organizations that were mid-sized municipalities. And a lot of the calls involved seeing really the worst of humanity and and how does that impact you at different stages of your life so one of the things that you know i hear often as well officers sign up for the work yes they sign up for the work but what doesn't happen is in the academies and in the trainings that we have there is no how do you deal with cumulative stress and trauma how do i become more resilient as an individual And how am I going to survive a 25-year career dealing with the worst that humanity has to offer each and every day? So this book talks about um, officers are exposed to critical incidents each and every day. But what they do often turns to what I call maladaptive coping. So whether that's eating disorders, whether it's sleep disorders, whether it's gambling, whether it's addiction, um, alcohol, pills, what have you. Um, there's a better way. And academic scholarship does provide the underpinnings for the book, but I partnered with six incredible subject matter experts, and we all share just very deeply personal journeys and insights about how we overcame um, trauma in our own lives, personally and professionally. And then we offer a roadmap for resiliency for officers, regardless of the stage of of their career. So very, very proud of it. Um, And it certainly was a bucket list item for me. So um, thank well, you for asking about it.
1: Um, congratulations for checking that off the list. Who who were the who who did you write it for? What's what's the intended audience? Who should read your book?
0: So it does have uh, law enforcement in the title, but I will say that the the tips and tricks and strategies apply to um, across populations. So. Those that face trauma and those that need resiliency in their lives, it's, it's all first responders, doctors, nurses, firefighters, paramedics, EMTs, coroners, investigators, um, police dispatchers, you know, really anyone who works in and around trauma uh, will benefit from it. But I also believe that the general population will will benefit from some of the strategies contained in it as well.
1: What about military families?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Combat is definitely traumatic. So absolutely it does impact and it has ripple effects. So it, it, it ripple effects again, going back to those personal and and professional relationships, trauma changes the way that we view the world. And if we can be more resilient as individuals, then our lens becomes a little brighter and we're a little more happier and engaged as individuals.
1: What about families who have a family member who is in the prison system. It, you know, the the people who maybe have a son or a daughter or a cousin or a brother or somebody who committed a violent act and sure. I would think they would be traumatized by the fact that somebody that they love was able to commit s- such a heinous act.
0: Absolutely. And again, resiliency uh, knows no bounds. And and once you learn the strategies for becoming more resilient, you know, once you identify what your social supports are, then again, you will be a happier, more resilient individual. So I would say it definitely applies across the spectrum.
1: So while the title may feel like it's developed for a very specific group Mm -hmm. of people, the potential of people who could benefit from reading it is much wider. Absolutely. And how do people find your book?
0: It is on Amazon and I will be happy to provide that link.
1: Okay, we will do that. So uh, let's let's move on, Catherine, to ask you, how do you get insight from other business leaders, entrepreneurs, leaders of nonprofits so that you can lead your institute and keep it kind of current and relevant in the marketplace?
0: So I am committed to lifelong learning, Uh, I view myself as a as a lifelong student, and I never want to um, really steer away from that or to shy away from that. Um, I believe that we should learn something new each and every day. And really, with all that's going on in the world, um, I do follow other thought leaders. I make sure that I am a connoisseur of of all things trauma, Um, good, bad, or indifferent. You know, really, with everything going on in the world, I don't view HTI in competition with anybody. You know, there's plenty of work in this space to be done um, as it relates to behavioral health and the mental health environment.
1: So just as you, as you explained that the thought went through my mind is how do you, how do you remain resilient when you're a consumer of all things, trauma related?
0: Fantastic question. Um, I do engage in a lot of self-care and for me, self-care means that I take time to breathe. I take time Mm. to disconnect um, I have an amazing rescue beagle boxer who I go on many walks with, um, I am committed to physical fitness and, um, I have, um, a gym that is located in my garage. So I, I get out my stressors and I become recharged by spending time engaged in, in fitness activities and being outside in nature. Well,
1: I'm glad you do that because I would imagine you could carry a lot on you of things that you've learned and things that you know. So I'm glad you are focused on self-care. That's so important for leaders of all organizations is to be selfish by being careful with oneself. That's a positive thing that you need to do so that your bucket is filled when others need you to help them. You have a reservoir. So I'm glad you do that, Catherine. Let's look to tomorrow. Can you describe the vision that you have as the CEO for HTI?
0: So my vision for the future of the HTI is to positively impact those impacted by trauma. And, you know, we spoke a little bit earlier about I'd love to put us out of business. Um, Sadly, I don't think that that's going to be the case. Um, So whether that's through support, services, education, our continuing education for professionals, or really just information that's provided through our platforms, I want to assist um everyone in their health and wellness quest while destigmatizing engagement with mental health services. Um, we need to be okay with having that conversation, as you mentioned earlier, of hey, I'm struggling today. Again, if it was a physical injury, we would have no issue. No problem, take the day off. Go, go to the doctor, or, you know, changing that conversation to, hey, I'm really struggling today. I need to go see a provider. Or I need to um Take care of myself and engage in a little bit of self care. Again, we sh- we shouldn't blink an eye over the 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 mental condition versus the physical condition, and that's really what I want to see for the future of HTI is to really have those conversations about destigmatizing the engagement with mental health and providers of behavioral health services.
1: Uh, you know, I. I'm going to take the term resilience and I'm going to make an obtuse reference to what you do and and what you you make me feel and think as we're talking, which is how do you know when someone is comfortable enough and they explain to you that they need some help with trauma to eventually be resilient enough as a person and an individual to realize that maybe at some point they've been able to deal with it and recover? Because how do we not always view them as that person who once was a victim of trauma?
0: Great question. Um, I would say that that just speaks to really the essence of of leadership. You know, when when we are bringing aboard an employee, we start with a clean slate. And what are we doing to wipe that slate clean? And are we holding these preconceived notions of our employees um, and are we keeping them tightly held. And I would say that we need to stop doing that as leaders and everyone deserves to have their slate wiped clean. Everyone deserves a second chance. And so for us as leaders, you know, they may have had a moment in time where they struggled or they had a little hiccup, but that does not define them. So a moment in time does not define who they are as a person. It does not define their performance at the organization or as a professional staff member. So it is incumbent on us to, to stop doing that if that is something that we are engaging in as, as business leaders.
1: So again, we're I'm asking you these very, uh, what I think are hard to answer questions. And I appreciate you sharing your expertise with our audience because the other thought that I just had as you were answering that question is many successful entrepreneurs suffer at some point in their career from burnout because mm-hmm. of what we talked about earlier. They don't self-care They just are so 24 seven that they ultimately realize at one point they've lost whatever magic was in their life and they have to get that back. I'd have to believe from tell me if I'm true that burnout, severe burnout is a trauma, is a traumatic experience for people.
0: It absolutely is. And we need to do whatever we can to not get to that point. But should you get to that point? Again, there there are ways to recover from it. And one of those ways is engaging in the assistance of professional behavioral health providers. And other ways are self-care and taking the time to disconnect. We are so on all the time. And especially as we've moved to remote work in the last two years, There are no boundaries between when work starts and when work ends, because you're walking out of a bedroom or perhaps you're working in your bedroom, right? (laughs) But you're walking out to your computer and you sit down. And I find that my staff um, are working longer and harder than they ever did Mm. in person, because again, those lines are blurred. So again, it's incumbent on us to make sure that we are doing what we can to make sure that they are taking care of themselves Ultimately they take care of us, but you know, again, we need to disconnect and unplug as well, because if we are not well, we are not able to support our staff in the best ways that we are able to do so.
1: Well, every time you answer, you kick off another question, but I'm respecting the time that we've spent together and your time because we're approaching 30 minutes in this conversation. So let me just just wrap it up by asking you, if someone would like to connect with you Mm -hmm. on LinkedIn, or learn more about your institute, where would you direct them to go?
0: So our website is www.traumainst.org. And I am on LinkedIn as Katherine Hamill, PhD. Uh, Katherine is uh, K-A-T-H-R-Y-N and Hamill is H-A-M-E-L. And the Hex Trauma Institute is across all social platforms. We are on LinkedIn, we are on Twitter, we are on YouTube. Um, We are on Instagram and um, we have a podcast as well called Life Beyond Trauma, which can be found on our website. So I hope that everyone will take the time to reach out. It's been my pleasure to spend this time with you. And thank you for having me.
1: Well, thank you. And I'm going to thank the audience for being a part of Orange County's longest running business talk show. Catherine's episode was episode number 1,364 in our catalog many interesting conversations like the one we just had, please feel free to check out other interviews. If you're an Orange County entrepreneur or a leader of a nonprofit organization and you would like to tell your story, then connect with me on LinkedIn or visit my website. I'm Rick R-I-C Franzi, F-R-A-N-Z-I on LinkedIn. And that just happens to be my website, rickfranzi.com as well. And until the next time, we all have a chance to be together. I hope all of your decisions will move your company in a positive direction.